Hello and welcome to Collision Cast, the official podcast of Fender Bender, helping collision repair shop owners and operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm editor in chief Jay Sicht. In today's episode, I'm joined by Fender Bender columnist Drew Bryant, who owns DB Orlando Collision Center in Florida. In his January column, he shows how it's smart business to partner with new car dealers that don't have their own body shops and how he's been successful in doing that. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jay. Happy to be here. In your January column, you speak about how dealerships are pulling out of the collision repair business, and that leaves a void for shop owners to fill. When their vehicle's damaged, they're obviously looking for someone to repair it. They already have that trusted relationship, maybe with the maybe even particular service writer at the dealership. Um, they're drawn to dealerships because of their brand loyalty. They there may be kind of a uh, an image of quality that comes with that that OEM dealership relationship, and uh, the dealership can provide those leads to your shop. Can you talk a little bit about what makes a successful repairer and dealership relationship? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think, you know, the opportunity that comes from them getting out of uh, the business uh, is one that, you know, we tend to just uh, follow the paths of, of uh, you know, the, the best predictor of the future is the past, if you will. And, and we, we, we follow habitual habits in this industry really well. And I think that if we were able to look at it from a different perspective, um, there's a significant amount of opportunity to be able to, um, you know, really embrace the, op- the the interest of the consumer. It's in everyone's interest, um, the dealership, the shops, the consumer, the whole nine. And, you know, primarily boiling all, all of it in, the, the dealership is incredibly concerned and um, their their main priorities are obviously the gross profit of their departmental areas. Um, but but overall, the umbrella effect is brand loyalty. They want to establish and maintain brand loyalty. And if we look back at the purpose of whether you're on their certified programs or you're not, the, the, the purpose of, of the birth of all of those programs was to regulate proper repair and ensure that when somebody got into an accident, there was some level of accountability um, to, to create a consistent product so that when their consumers got their vehicle back after an accident, they had confidence that it was, their integrity was restored and safety was restored and, and they could, uh, you know, drive that, continually drive that car and or, God forbid, if, if it was totaled out, they had the confidence to go back and buy um, from the same brand again. And I, I think we, we lost sight of that over the years. And I think that as the dealers determined, look, you know, there's too much liability here. We're going to, we're going to pull back. And, and we're seeing that across the country in different markets. Um, the opportunity for the shops to be able to communicate firsthand um, with the ground level uh, teams of the dealership. It's uh, there's a, there's a lot of meat left on the bone there for everybody. Do you know why a lot of shops look at dealerships as competition and, and not potential partners why do they have that mindset sometimes? Yeah, and, and you know, I was in a dealership yesterday, and uh, this this particular dealer happened to be selling more units of his brand than anybody in the country. I mean, it's a huge dealership, and um, 
myself and my second in command were both there and we had all of the, you know, their fixed operations managers and their, their service department managers there. It, I feel as though the upper level management in most cases, right. Uh, were quality salesmen that were promoted to finance managers that followed the chain of command, if you will, and inevitably ended up at the, the, the profitability road, right? And the ability to be able to count the beans in the right order, uh, put them in the, in the positions of authority. But in reality, um, and, and I hate to use this term because it comes off very negative, but it's one that I use regularly. They're ignorant to what the specifics are um, to, to repair the vehicles proper. And in most cases, when I'm speaking to them, they really, they, one, I hate to say that they don't care because I think that from a customer service perspective and in the interest of you know growing their facilities, they care to some degree. Um, but I think that the, the, the mountain of knowledge that they have to obtain in, in their perception is they, they kind of give you the, why, why would I want to know? Why when a customer calls me suggesting that all of these things are uh, challenging, that they're required or not required and calibrations and resets, et cetera. Why would I want to be, you know, confirm a position that that hundred percent, that's the way the manufacturer would want to be. And, and by default, um, you know, there's so many moving pieces that, uh, that the, uh, the, the, the manufacturer programs, they can't keep up with educating those those ground level folks, right? Whether it be turnover or what it is, whatever it is, um, you know, I've got uh, the OE representatives coming into our facilities to audit us quarterly. Um, but when they go into the dealerships, they're just shaking hands and, and kissing babies, wanting to make sure that uh, you know the relation is there and that everybody's happy, rather than really kind of uh, make the connections, you know. That's interesting. I hadn't hadn't considered that that there may be a um, there may be politics involved sometimes. Most definitely, yeah. Unfortunately, and uh, I, I don't think that it has to be from a negative perspective. I think it's once again, it's plenty of opportunity, and, it, and as long as we remain open minded, um, and regardless how uh, you know against the grain it may feel, and and really their their perception of it. Um, we just have to continue to beat the rock and in, in, in showing them the benefit um, for everybody involved. And eventually they listen, right? I, I can't tell you that every time I've gone in and, and we've sat and discussed it and presented these, these opportunities and presented it from this perspective, um, they don't respect the vision from the beginning. And a lot of them are, are, look, I, you know, it's a lot of, you know, that's not, we're not, inter- all we're interested in, if you want to refer, we're going to refer it, but we're not, we're not getting involved in the transaction, you know? Um, but when you're able to, to show them transparently that, you know, we're pulling procedures shop, that's not pulling procedures. Naturally, they're going to have less calibrations that they feel are required and less calibrations mean less gross profit for your, for your service departments. Right. Um, and as you walk them down the path of, of, of the potential of departmental growth, they, uh, they, you tend to get their attention. So, Drew, to your discussions at the dealership, do they begin and end with the dealer principal, or are you talking with, like, the service manager or the parts manager, the fixed operations director, sales manager, those kinds of people too? Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great question. Um, you know, 
we're in the dealership on a weekly basis. So when I say we, it's it's different uh, um, different members of our administration. So whether it's our parts manager, uh, a very large part of their role is to establish and maintain relationships on a first name basis within their depart department that they're dealing with with the dealer. And if uh, if we've got a vendor and we're you know we're working with them, you know the expectation is that they're working with us to some degree whether that be on margin or referral or whatever it is, it needs to be just that a partnership, um, especially in today's market. And our production manager should be communicating on the service, you know, service team dealer at the, at the service team at the dealership at the same capacity. Um, and really having that kind of departmental connection constantly, it allows me to dip into senior level management at the dealer um, to where we can all kind of have a meeting of the minds and then, you start to really see the value, right? If we're making a decision for or against anything that anyone's presenting, um, you know, it's only in consideration for the, the working relationship that we've all established at different departments. And, you know, I referenced it uh, in the article and, and, and what, what really gets their attention sometimes as, as the dealership, I'm, I'm blessed to be in, in some 20 groups that I have guys that own dealerships for, you know, large, you know, Ford and Chevy, et cetera. And those guys have uh, uh, given me a lot of insight as to what, how the, the, the gears turn within the backside of the dealer. And, and naturally this is, this, this column was all in alignment with the interest of the dealer, but they, they have a very, uh, they have a level of authenticity with their consumers that just consumers are, influenced by that confidence that that large storefront that that uh, the, the person the place that I bought my car from is naturally the experts in repairing it and when you're able to full circle um, you know give back the the calibrations through service to the dealership you're able to transparently communicate that you know they're not getting parts orders for whatever wasn't available aftermarket or used, but instead getting full-fledged OEM parts orders. And then finally, the, 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 uh, the sales side of the business, you know, the, the dealer is really puzzled. How does a body shop influence our sales, our sales area? But having the ability to be able to coach a consumer through proper value in an insurance claim and really ensure that a vehicle that had no business totaling gets repaired, um, or, or, or make sure it gets told rather, uh, and, and, then, and then supporting them through proper value and doing things like, you know, let, have you considered us, would you like us to remove your, your, your personal information from the car before it's totaled out? Those transactions create a level of other authenticity on, on the body shop side that, uh, that they're, so they're grateful for. And we're able to refer back in and the dealer will work some sort of, you know, $500 or $1,000 incentive. That's, that's nothing for them to do. And it really makes for a full, full cycle. And the more that they can leverage the brand loyalty and the more that that consumer can come through the front door and they can be referred directly to you, our challenge on our side of the fence of setting and maintaining the transparency through customer expectation is that much easier because the referral source was from a source that they trusted rather than just looking at a Google review and we're having to constantly defend a position of potential, you know, hey, yeah, the insurer doesn't want to pay for it, but the manufacturer says it's necessary. If the dealership is a part of that transaction, 
it's uh, it's grease to the gear. So it's really more of a true partnership than just a referral from the service department. Yeah, most definitely. And and they don't like I said, they don't have to know every moving piece of our businesses. Um, they really just have to have the confidence to know that you know we're we've got the same vested interests. And and if a if a consumer uh, naturally is you know, frustrated or, or, you know, unaware of, of the potential delays or surprises associated with it that we welcome with open arms them to return that call back to us. And uh, we'll field those customers and help, you know, whether it's an in-person customer consultation or, or, or bring them to the vehicle and show them firsthand the damage that we've uncovered. Whatever it is, of course, I don't think there's any of us in this business that aren't willing to, you know, in the interest of, of satisfying a customer, um, and I think the dealer, you know, in, in many times just thinks that it's a bigger burden um, to get involved in our side. And, and they'd rather just kind of stay in their lane, if you will, but they're missing out. And uh, so are we. So we talked about uh, kind of the referrals process. Um, is this more of a formal process? Is there, do you have like marketing materials, like in the service drive and with the sales manager, or is it a little bit more, informal to where if Mr. or Mrs. Jones comes through the, say the service drive and, and has a, a collision repair need that um, the service riders know to whom to refer those vehicles. Absolutely. So um, really two things here. One we're, we're utilizing um, in the masses across our market and it's working very well. And uh, a second is an idea that we're working to implement now that I'm hoping to be able to execute. And I'll, I'll share both with you. The first one, we essentially have business cards printed and uh, they have our information on them and our credentials associated with training and uh, uh, any accreditations that we have. And on the back side of the card, it has a, uh, a logo of that particular uh, whatever dealership that we're at. And it's specifically their certified program logo. So uh, representing the fact that we're certified for that manufacturer and um, at, you know, as a certified facility, uh, it, it gives them the opportunity um, to provide the customer with a preferred um, appointment with us. And there's a QR code, a very large QR code on this business card. And every service advisor has a stack of those cards at the partner dealer. And there's a line for them to put their, their the service advisor's name. And what happens is we have that tied um, to an automated scheduling platform that as soon as the customer uh, gets that card from their service advisor, they scan the QR code and it populates a preferred appointment uh, of availability that the customer can schedule it at you know, whatever is convenient for them, just as we traditionally would use internal to the business. Uh, and then from there, there's a workflow of automation that begins to notify our front office and the, and the representing you know, estimator, et cetera. And then more importantly, it tracks that referral um, to the service advisor from the dealer. And we can see firsthand which service advisors are converting. Um, we can see, you know, if we've got eight referrals in, but maybe they weren't our customers, you know, they were customers that were looking to save deductibles rather than, you know, making sure it was done proper. Then we're able to both, you know, incentivize and, and uh, really embrace the folks that are referring us quality leads and, and we're working together in, in the interest of, uh, you know, customer and, and gross profits and, uh, and the ones that maybe aren't converting as well. Uh, we use the, that information to go back to them and, and maybe walk them through the acquisition, right. Of, of the customer and, and really help them, uh, 
you know, iron out the creases and, and make sure that they're being uh, inform as, as informative as they can be throughout the entire customer acquisition process. So um, that's one, the QR codes and the cards, those are working very well. And then secondary, uh, I'm working with the dealers um, to be able to commit to having um, one of our uh, riders at the dealership twice a week. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm looking at it more of a, of a brand loyalty, uh, brand ambassador type position. And it, I've got several folks that work for me that have worked for the insurance company, um, you know, for 10, 15 years and just got tired of that side of the fence and came to ours. But I really think that anybody um, that has a, a, the image that's in line with our stores, right, and, and the capacity and competency to be able to to write our front door within our stores um, would have the capacity to just show up, you know, wear a dry clean shirt, be at the dealer service drive and uh, no, no, any, it, it, it's support, right? We're here to support from a collision perspective, any, any needs that you may need today. If a customer's got a, a particular request or an estimate, we can handle it right there on the spot. And uh, we're going to experiment with that. And then I, I should be able to give you guys some feedback uh, in this coming year on, on, on what the results of that were. And if nothing else, it'll be a case study for everybody. I love that. And, and how easy you make it, uh, for the customer who's already gone through a traumatic event and stressful event, um, need to know where to take their vehicle to get it repaired and that QR code and the ease of scheduling. I just think that's, that's integral to, to that, that dealership experience. Do you have any closing thoughts? There's anything else we know we want to talk about that we haven't you know, discussed. I, I think honestly, this whole thing is just embracing change, um, and and I I really think that uh, you know especially no dig, but especially the older guys in this business that are looking for uh, you know looking for their their potential uh, succession and 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 what was it look like and and maybe they're they're losing a drip of hope as to my goodness, I might have to be in this another 10 years or whatever the case may be. I really think that it, that if you take a minute and, and you just boil this up and you look at, you know, embracing change and the opportunities that change bring um, rather than, you know, dreading it and, 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 and really running from the fact that you think you have to learn an entirely new widget and a new circus. Um, you know, the only thing that's consistent in this business since I've been it um, has been change. And the faster it are, the faster we are at adapting to that change, I think it's uh, it's really what defines us. Um, whether you follow, you know, at any capacity, the suggestion to be able to reach to your local dealers. Um, if if you don't understand that the dealerships, as they don't have a body shop, that work is going somewhere. And if you don't know where it's going, you at least owe it to yourself to be able to find out where, and then determine if where it's going is a better solution than what you're providing your market. And I, I, I'm telling you, as you go through that uh, case study and you go through, through that research, you're gonna be baffled at what, uh, how much mediocrity is entertained within those relationships and all sides of the fence don't realize uh, what they're missing out on. And all it takes is just, something that's a little bit against the grain, a little bit out of the norm and saying, look, it's different. I get it. 
but I really think that we should work together on this and, and see what we got going. I, I'm having great success with it in my market. Um, and the reason that I wrote about it was, was just so, you know, if there was somebody out there that was looking for, you know, they're tired of throwing thousands of dollars at, at, at Google and, and running the ad campaigns where these, um, you know, the, 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 these companies, um, advertising companies are getting rich on us. I, I really think that there's a lot of organic opportunity there that we just have to be able to work to capitalize on. And it starts with accepting the fact that maybe I'm willing to do it a little different than I always have. Well said, Drew. I appreciate you coming on the Collision Cast. Always enjoy the conversation. Anytime, Jay. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for tuning in. Check out Drew's column on dealership relationships on FenderBender.com for more information. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn and subscribe to Collision Cast.